Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. If I wasn't there when he called, he got mad. She was always telling me how to dress. Every time it was like, is he hitting on you? She kept telling people I was cheating on him. I didn't want to lose him. Man, was she jealous. It was like I couldn't go anywhere without him. She didn't want me to see my friends. He cares about me so much. I guess that's why he hit me. Dating abuse can take many forms. Some so subtle, your teenager may not even know is happening. That's why parents need to know what dating abuse is and how it can start. How you can spot the signs and most important, how you can help prevent it. So talk to your teen today. Help them understand how dating abuse can happen and teach them to choose respect in all their relationships and to expect no less when they're dating. To learn more about the warning signs of dating abuse, go to ChooseRespect.org. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Respect. Give it. Get it. Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys. I'm your host, Joy Keys. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. You can follow me on Twitter.com slash Joy Keys, and you can become a fan on Facebook. Just look up Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys. And I'm also on Instagram now. Yeah, a lot of great pictures. If you tag me, you might win a prize. You know, you guys, I give away movie tickets and books and all kinds of things. So check me out there on Instagram and tag me in a photo, and you could be a winner. I want to say thank you to all the listeners. Um, wow, past a million downloads and continuing to grow. I really appreciate your support, and I'm glad that you're enjoying the show. Thank you. Just, I just want to say thank you for that. Well, this month, October, is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. As you guys know, I think that so many things should not just be for the month. <laughs> they're all the time. They're 24 hours a day. They're seven days a week. Uh, and if you don't know that every nine seconds in the U.S., a woman is assaulted or beaten. On average, nearly 20 people per minute are physically abused by an intimate partner in the United States. During one year, this equates to more than 10 million women and men. So this show today is very important, um, and I think a lot of people can learn about resources that are out there. I have two wonderful guests with me this morning, um, Janine Lasitsky, Executive Director and President for Women Against Abuse. Good morning, Janine. Good morning, Joy. Thank you so much for having us and, and focusing on this really important issue. Oh, thank you for coming on. And you guys do awesome work and awesome services, so I thought it was important to have you. I also have uh, Vashti Bledsoe, Director of Lutheran Settlement Houses Bilingual Domestic Violence Program, Good morning, Vashti. Good morning, Joy. I'm excited to be talking to you today and able to provide some awareness to your listeners. Oh, again, thank you for coming on. I know it's Saturday. People like to sleep late, <laughs> you know, sleep in the bed, you know, get their coffee and all that type of thing. So thank you guys for coming on uh, early in the morning, uh, almost afternoon, I guess. Let me just let the people know Women Against Abuse, their website is womenagainstabuse.org and Lutheran Settlement House, also, LutheranSettlementHouse.org. 
Um, as I mentioned, those statistics, um, Janine, are they resonating with you? Are they true? Do you see that um, happening in terms of the number of people, one in three women, one in four men? Do you see what do you see in your um, uh, organization? We yes, we do. Um, we see just from this past year. One is that on the Philadelphia Domestic Violence Hotline, which is a collaboration of four organizations to cover that 24-7 hotline, we saw a 54% increase in calls in, in last year. And so that we had almost 16,000 calls. And then another statistic that kind of shows the prevalence is that in our safe havens, we had to turn away over 15,000 requests for safe shelter of people who mm. were being abused and their children and had, you know, needed to get out for safety. So we certainly do see that. At Women Against Abuse, we see about 85% women. Um, so I think Lutheran yeah. sees a, a larger group of men who are being abused, but we certainly all address the issues on the Philadelphia Domestic Violence Hotline. What exactly is domestic violence? When we say that, what do we mean? What are we talking about? Sure. When we talk about domestic violence, we're talking about aggression in relationships. We're talking about a pattern of behaviors that's established and used to control another person in a relationship. So it has to be a pattern. So if I say, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, you know, and with domestic violence, you know, we're not talking about just a one-time argument in a relationship because we recognize that not every relationship is perfect. We're talking about someone who intentionally establishes a pattern to abuse another person, to use intimidation to get that person to do exactly what they want and to punish that person if they don't. So this pattern, what does it look like? I mean, is it just physical? Is it mental? Uh, is it economic? What are some of the signs, so to speak? It's it's all of those things and more. And I think Vashti put it well when she said it's a pattern of behaviors used to coerce and control someone. So whatever you can imagine, that's why it's wrong to think of domestic violence as when one person hits another. That's such a limited view, and that's not what it is at all. Sure, hitting is one form, but it's much more of a pattern of a lot of tactics. It could be sexual abuse. You already mentioned financial, verbal, psychological, uh, even reproductive health um, coercion where not allowing people to wear protection so they may get pregnant or get a sexually transmitted disease. It's so many different things. That's interesting Absolutely. to talk about the um, children, the children issue, because uh, just to bring up kind of some people watch TV <laughs> every once in a while they do. And on uh, the show Masters of Sex, there was a couple that came in and the woman wanted her tubes tied. And the doctor was like, you know, no, I don't want to tie them. You know, I, you need to talk to your husband, blah, blah. And she was like looking at him like, no, like, trust me, I need to get my tubes tied. I need to like not let this happen again. And um he came into the room and he could see how the husband was treating her and the behavior. He was also speaking with the, how he spoke with the child. Um, Vashai, do you see issues affecting children um, because of domestic oh, violence? Oh, 
Absolutely. You know, we know that, you know, abusive people can use children as pawns in a relationship, you know, for domestic violence. We also know that it's not as easy to get up and leave a relationship when you have multiple children that you are trying to take care of, and especially if you're dependent on your partner for the finances to be able to take care of those children. And so we we see children used like this in relationships um, to make someone stay quite often. But more importantly, we see that the effects of domestic violence on children can just be long-lasting and really hard for children to be able to overcome. And And what we know in Philadelphia, one other thing to add to that is that the overlap of intimate partner violence and child abuse and maltreatment is very, very high, maybe 70%. So intimate partner violence is a big red flag for child maltreatment as well. Janine, let me ask you, who is the victim? Is there a profile of the victim? There's no profile because it can happen to any of us, and I think that's what's most important for everyone to hear and understand is that none of us are immune, that it could happen to any of us. So it happens across all socioeconomic, ethnic, all different categories of people, Um, and you know, it doesn't, it's not about you have a low self-esteem and that's why it happened. A lot of people want to try to turn it on the victim and say there's something wrong with this person to allow that, you know, and that's not the case at all. Now, Vashti, how about the perpetrator, if you will? A lot of times um, uh, men, they get upset when they have, we start having this conversation about domestic violence. Because they're like, oh, you're you're man bashing, you're man hating. Can you talk to the audience about this issue and 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 what the profile of a perpetrator and that sometimes it's the woman also. Absolutely, absolutely. At Lutheran Sutherland House, we see a number of male victims of domestic violence. And we actually um, started a campaign to be able to get men involved in the conversations about domestic violence because we know that majority of men are not abusive. Now, let me say that most of the cases that we see is male violence towards women, but we also know that men can be abused too. We don't profile um, abusive people just like we don't profile victims. We know that, you know, abusive people um, are abusive because they choose to be abusive. We do know that. We also hear from our clients all the time that relationships don't start off like this. An abusive person, you know, doesn't come stamped with a warning label to say that they're going to be abusive. And they don't start off as these mean, horrible people. It's the exact opposite. And what we know is that there are red flags that begin to bring up in new relationships that let you know that this relationship could potentially be abusive, but a lot of people aren't educated about those, you know, red flags in a relationship. Um, And so, you know, they go on with these relationships, and before you know it, things have gotten out of hand, and you're trying to figure out, you know, what happened and how did you get here. And some of the signs, um, yeah, um, I was going to say bring some of the signs up. A few of those signs because, pretty, um, you know, the pattern is pretty uniform across is isolation, jealousy, um, uh, controlling behaviors, Mm -hmm. right, Um, blaming, blaming the the victim for everything that happens, um, you know, 
And it might, quick involvement, that's another thing, quick involvement in a relationship. It might appear to the victim that, oh, this person really loves me and cares about me. But what it is is a way to isolate her, to control her. So it's the beginning. So now we were talking about all the ways that it affects um, the, the individual mental, physical, economic, what are some of the options that people have in order to get out? Because you hear if somebody tries to get out, that's the, that's the worst time, like that, that moment, okay, I'm going to get out, they're going to get killed. Vashti, what, what do you tell someone who comes to you and is, is, is that, at that point where they're like, but if I leave, he said he's going to kill me or she's going to kill me or hurt my family or take the kids. What, what do you tell them, Vashti? We tell them that if they believe that, that they should take serious precautions. You know, we also validate that that is very real for in a relationship like this. And we know that many victims of domestic violence can leave a relationship up to seven times and go back before they can leave and stay away. We also know that leaving an abusive relationship heightens the abuse of the relationship. So we safety plan with um people about leaving a relationship. We want them to do it as safe as possible. And one of the things that we say to clients that we're working with is, you know, trust your instincts. Trust what you've been doing all of this time to keep yourself safe, and let's begin to build on those things. We talk about protection from abuse orders. We talk about relocation, if and if that's a need. We talk about safe havens, and if that's an option. And we really try to tell our each safety plan to fit the situation that we're working with. But one of the things that we really want to do is make sure that people know that there is help and that there is services available that can help you get out get out of a relationship and get to safety if that's your goal. And that's Janine, now what start with the Philadelphia Domestic Violence Hotline. You can tap into everything you need there. That number's one eight six six seven two three three zero one four and you'll have a counselor who will do an individualized safety plan with you and determine how you can create more safety as you, you know, work through this very dangerous and uh, terrorizing situation. Well, Janine, what do friends do? Because, you know, you have people come to you multiple, multiple times over years of, you know, complaining, sometimes I mean, I personally have lost – I had lost a girlfriend, a very close friend of mine, almost like a sister, I felt, because of a domestic violence situation. And myself and another of her friends realized what was going on. Um, very smart woman, master's degree. It didn't matter. Like you said, it doesn't matter. The victim, it, it could be anybody. But as a friend, I mean, you try and you try, and then the person gets mad at you because you're telling them. What, is, what, is the, what do friends and family do, Janine? You know, you can really do a lot of things. First thing you want to do is realize you're not in control and you can't stop this. You know, so it's not, that's not your role. Your role is to support them. You can say, you can validate them by saying things like, you know, no one deserves to be hurt. Give them the Philadelphia Domestic Violence Hotline number or any hotline number wherever you are. Just listen to them, you know, and tell them that you're there for them when they need you. But I think the worst thing to do is to try to tell them what to do because then you're going to get frustrated when they don't do it. And you take away their power by trying to tell them what to do. And, you know, what we do is we discuss options and then people Mm -hmm. can select from them. And we find that is a lot more effective. Certainly encourage them to call the police if they're in imminent danger. 
you know, and don't judge them and don't ask them why would you stay. You know, that's the question right. that we need to get away from. We have to start asking why would this person hurt you like that? You know, let's mm-hmm. put the blame mm-hmm. where the blame lies. Um uh, so I think with those messages and that support, you really can be instrumental in helping someone to to get help. And the now one thing we were talking add, about. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was just going to add to what Janine was saying is the other thing that we see families do a lot is try to make people choose between their family and mm-hmm. their partner, which is also something that could be very dangerous um, and, and for the victim in the relationship. So we want to encourage families not to do that and to, you know, be very clear that even if you're not ready to leave at this point, we're here for, we're here for you when you are ready or we're here to support you in whatever decision that you make. Dasha, I wanted to um, talk to you about the bilingual domestic violence program and also how cultures, as we mentioned before we got on the air, affect this view of what domestic violence is. And and could you just speak to that a little bit? Sure, sure. At the Bilingual Domestic Violence Program, we have on-site Spanish counselors that are able to, you know, see uh, Spanish-speaking clients. And if we have other clients that come in that speak different languages, we use language line. We do have some limited resources to be able to call in in-person interpreters for schedule appointments for some cases also. Um, what we recognize is that, you know, even along with domestic violence and all the dynamics of domestic violence, we also have to take into consideration people's culture and beliefs on relationships and all of those things. And so we really try to do um, what we call is, you know, uh, empowerment counseling and listening to, you know, the clients who come in and listening to, you know, where they are in their life, what they believe for their culture and all of those things, and then also trying to couple that with the education while while respecting the different beliefs and things like that that people may have in their culture. Because as Janine said, domestic violence can affect everyone and anyone. And although every situation that we see is different, we know that we stand on a firm belief that no one deserves to be beaten or abused. And so whatever we can do to tell those services and to make sure that the that the people that we're serving are getting, you know, high quality um services that are going to reflect their needs is what we aim to do. Now Janine, I was talking to you earlier. You guys started an I Pledge toolkit. Can you talk to the audience about what that is? Certainly. We uh, we had started a campaign called the I Pledge Campaign, and that was several years ago, so that ordinary Philadelphians can get involved in being a part of signing the pledge against domestic violence, and also as as a bystander speaking out against it. So if they see it, calling the police, or if they hear attitudes and work, you know, they're challenging those things like that. Well, this year we've launched our new I Pledge Toolkit which actually makes available all of the iPledge graphics, flyers, templates, advertisements. There's several educational materials like fact sheets, frequently asked questions. There's iPledge buttons, iPledge palm cards. So what it makes available is that any community group or any individual can take those materials and have their own campaign wherever they are in the community so they get more people involved. They can disseminate the hotline number. We're really excited about it. And people can 
go ahead and access that toolkit for free at womenagainstabuse.org. Now, Vest, I, um, I'm not sure, or Janine, whoever's comfortable, let, can we talk a little bit about LGBT relationships and does domestic violence happen within their relationships? And if so, is it any different? Absolutely, um, domestic violence happens in LGBTQ relationships. And, you know, the difference is, is that, you know, the forms of abuse may be different with, you know, especially threatening to out someone who's not ready to be out in a relationship. Um, and that's the main difference that we see in LGBTQ relationships. You know, and also, you know, because of the status of the relationships, there may be an additional stigma put on a relationship where people may be less hesitant to come out and disclose that this is happening to them, especially if it's not an environment that promotes, you know, the safety and being able to disclose that this is happening. But the same services that we provide for a heterosexual relationship, we provide for LGBTQ relationships. Oh, that's wonderful. Can you tell the phone number, um, again, the hotline that people could call or your, the line for your organization, Vashai, <clears throat> excuse me, where sure. people can call? The Philadelphia Domestic Violence Hotline, and that number is 1-866-723-3014. Once again, that's 1-866-723-3014. All of our calls are confidential, and there is a trained counselor who answers that line 24 hours a day. Janine, what do you see um, happening with children? Because um, there's a lot of custody issues, like you hear about, you know, the person, if you leave, I'm going to take the kids. Uh, what, what, is there, what is there available for the mother or the father to be able to still see their children? Yeah, we, um, we see so much of that. That's such a big tactic of abuse and the overlap between child maltreatment, as I stated, and intimate partner violence. We Women Against Abuse specializes in legal services. We have attorneys who will take on custody cases and support cases as well as protection from abuse order cases. So people can, um, if you call the Philadelphia Domestic Violence Hotline, they will link you with the Women Against Abuse Legal Center. Um, or you can call the legal center directly as well. And the legal center telephone number is 215-686-7082. That's not a hotline, so that's just uh, Monday through Friday, 9 to 5. Um, but I do I want to mention that it, it's not only the domestic violence organizations that see the horrors of this family violence. It's every mainstream agency in our city. And so we have worked together as a group of providers and city agencies to create a plan for a truly coordinated community response to domestic violence. And what that means is that no matter where a person enters the system or the door of a care institution. They're going to be able to be appropriately screened and there'll be some kind of intervention into family violence. And so that's a long-term project, but we're really excited with the commitment that we have and everyone's hard work to change things because our real goal is to end domestic violence. And so we provide services, but we also advocate to make changes towards ending domestic violence. I want to add that I was just driving down the street one night 
heard screaming, pulled over. Mm. And this story shows you how prevalent this is. And I walked into some of the most horrendous domestic violence I've seen, a young woman with a six-month-old baby in her arm being beaten in the head by a Mm. man and so close to this baby's head. Long story short, it took like 15 police cars to respond to deal with it, and it was just a very dangerous situation. But, I mean, this is not... This is frequently happening, and people think it's an exception, but there's so much of it. We know one in four women in their lifetime will experience serious physical abuse, and one in three will experience either intimate partner violence, stalking, or rape. So these, this level of violence is so prevalent that everyone in this community has a part and can, can stand with us in working towards addressing this violence. Vashti, let me talk to you. We mentioned about brother and sister violence because we I was saying, you know, what's the difference between intimate partner violence versus domestic violence. Can you talk to the audience a little bit about this issue of, of sibling violence? Um, and is, is it the same? Are, are the dynamics the same? And can they come to your organization if, you know, they say, oh, my brother has been, you know, beating me or keeping food from me or, you know, talk to the audience about that a little bit. Yes, Joy, we definitely get calls on our hotline as as well as people walking into our agency because they're dealing with family violence where, you know, it's not an intimate partner that they're dealing with but somebody in their home that they live with that's being abusive to them. And we will see that person and also provide referrals and services for that person. Also, people living in the same household um, and if someone is being abusive to you, you can also get a protection from abuse order against that person in the household. Um, And, you know, abusive people are abusive people. Um, And so, you know, usually when someone is being abusive, you know, it's because they're trying to intimidate and control another person. So, you know, the dynamics can be the same, but it's a tad bit also different because of the intimacy part in it. So, you know, with intimate partner violence, we're talking about more of relationship violence between, you know, two partners that can be, you know, male-female, female-to-female, male-to-male. And with, you know, sibling violence, we're talking about, of course, you know, brothers and sisters or moms and kids fighting each other and those things. But resources are available through our 24-hour hotline. Um, And people can definitely call and get, you know, help and resources through those services. Janine, can you talk to us a little bit? People may not realize that they can use FMLA, family medical leave, uh, for domestic violence. Well, in Philadelphia, we now have uh, regulations that allow people to take off sick time due to Mm -hmm. domestic violence and not be penalized for that. So we also have, have one a paid sick leave bill so that people can get it's a certain amount of hours per month paid sick leave even if they don't have paid sick leave due to domestic violence and that's for them to take care of things like going to court getting medical help um you know getting domestic violence counseling and things like that I think that's a really uh, wonderful um option for people because uh, there's a shame I believe from the person maybe going through it you know, they, who to talk to, and like you said, well, why are they, you know, you, what's wrong with your self-esteem? Why are you still there? Why are you staying? So trying to explain all these can be difficult, but if you can still continue work because it, again, economically impacts the individual, not just maybe the perpetrator withholding money, but 
losing hours at work because physically being abused, psychologically not being able to just focus at work, all these things affect economics. I just want to thank you guys. We're almost running out of time here. We could talk for hours and hours about this. But again, you guys um, are doing great work. Women Against Abuse is womenagainstabuse.org, Lutheran Settlement House at lutheransettlementhouse.org. Also, uh, Women Against Abuse are there on Twitter. You can follow them, uh, Women Against Abuse. And uh, you guys, Lutheran Settlement House, is that LSH1902? Uh, Do you know, are you familiar with that, Vashai? Um, sure, it's LSH1902, and it's also LSH Philly. Okay, okay, LSH Philly. And let's say that number one more time, the hotline number for people to call. Uh, Janine, could you mention that number it, again? It's one eight six six seven two three three zero one four. the Philadelphia Domestic Violence Hotline. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 1-866-723-3014. And now, Vashai, for uh, bilingual services and other languages, um, should they be calling you or can they also call the hotline? They can call the hotline. The hotline also has access to language line, and so they will be able to provide services to anybody who calls. Okay, excellent, excellent. Thank you guys so much for coming on. Thank you, Janine. Thank you, Vashai. Thank you again. Just great work you guys are doing. Joy, thank you so much. We really appreciate the opportunity. Oh, Thanks, you're welcome. Joy. Thank Okay, you guys have a great weekend, okay? Stay warm. <laughs> All right. You too. Bye-bye. Okay, Bye. bye-bye. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I just got off the phone with Janine Lisitsky, Executive Director and President for Women Against Abuse, and Vashti Bledsoe, Director of the Lutheran Settlement House's Bilingual Domestic Violence Program. Again, check those organizations out, womenagainstabuse.org, lutheransettlementhouse.org, and they're both on Twitter. They're both on Facebook. They're doing some great work. If you need assistance for yourself or somebody you know, do not hesitate to reach out. If you're an organization and you would like to, you know, get more involved and maybe start a component of domestic violence because you're seeing a lot of your members or people coming in, don't feel don't don't hesitate to reach out to them and try to become part of this coordinated Philadelphia services. Uh they're having this with police, with nonprofits, you know, probably with schools. Check them out. Don't be afraid to reach out and if you, you want to get it connected. Like you said, you could be walking down the street you can see somebody, you can call that hotline, you can give them a card, check out the I Pledge Toolkit. That's on womenagainstabuse.org. You guys have a wonderful weekend. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll be speaking with author Cynthia Bond next Saturday, 1130, about her book, Ruby. So tune in then, and thank you again for supporting the show. If I wasn't there when he called, he got mad. She was always telling me how to dress. Every time it was like, is he hitting on you? She kept telling people I was cheating on him. I didn't want to lose him. Man, was she jealous. It was like I couldn't go anywhere without him. She didn't want me to see my friends. He cares about me so much. I guess that's why he hit me. Dating abuse can take many forms. Some so subtle, your teenager may not even know it's happening. That's why parents need to know what dating abuse is and how it can start, how you can spot the signs, and most important, how you can help prevent it. So talk to your teen today. Help them understand how dating abuse can happen and teach them to choose respect in all their relationships and to expect no less when they're dating. To learn more about the warning signs of dating abuse, go to ChooseRespect.org.
A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Respect. Give it. Get it. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.